counselor and it is something that I am very passionate about and we are going to talk about The Snow Child which is the book that I recommended. That's right the book that you recommended early this year and I wrote up a review about it and and not only did I write up a review about it, I, I immediately texted you within minutes of opening the book going, Julia, what have you done to me? <laughs> I didn't think about that part. <laughs> Trust a counselor to recommend a book. That's going to make you cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so before we get into too much of that, I would love to hear actually your story of how you found this book. So I, lo I love reading. I've been an avid reader. I mean, with dyslexia, you know, who would have paired it together? But, um, you know, you learn how to cope your own way. And, and I just would devour books growing up. Like when I got in trouble, my mom would take away my books instead of TV because that's that would have been a, a worse consequence for me. Yes. So I've been I've been reading forever. Um, and so I've tried some book clubs and. I don't necessarily like being told what to read and, and when to have it read by. Um, even though I can finish a book, you know, pretty quickly, I don't necessarily like the structure of book clubs. But some of my friends had started a book club and I'm like, OK, let's try this one more time. Um, I, I didn't make it through the book club. I made it through this one book, but that's not because of the people. It's just because I, I can't deal with that structure when I read. But the book club, like the book club book of the month was The Snow Child. And so this was back in, I looked up the date, I believe it was 2013 that we started to read it. Hmm. And yeah, so it's been a little bit since I've read it. Um, but I remember, like, it's kind of my go-to when people ask, like, what are some book recommendations? And I'm just, you know, when I don't want to recommend something like a manga that I normally read or Harry Potter, because I read that all the time, I give out The Snow Child because I really enjoyed reading it. It wasn't too heavy of a read, like, um, and not, not necessarily heavy emotionally, but like heavy long, like yeah. literally a heavy book. Yeah, you're, it was definitely readable, just like mm -hmm. you get through it um, and it kept you interested the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so it's my go-to and, you know, someone asked for a recommendation and, and here you are, you are, Hey, what are some books to read? Yeah. I threw it out to the group chat and in that recommendation, mm -hmm. I got Sarah's Thrawn and then Tanisa's, oh goodness, it's, it's escaping me. She gave me Robert Galbraith, something by Robert Galbraith. I haven't done it yet. I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> and then your snow child. Um, and I think I started with yours of that group of the group I think so um anyway I I want to get back to the fact that you didn't recommend manga to me and let's talk for just a second <laughs> about how that would have actually been a better recommendation for the purposes of my blog because <laughs> I because I like to try to figure out like learn something about the person through the book that I read mm -hmm. and I'm reviewing and it seems to me like manga and you go just hand in hand right they do. I mean, I, I tear through them so fast and I've kind of went to that direction and, and instead of books, like I used to have my book list to read during, um, school holidays, but now it's pretty much just manga and it's the same kind of thing with books. I've got to be careful. And I mean, and they're the same, you're still reading, but, um, 
it's the same thing where I have to stop or I will be up until like two in the morning to finish it. Oh, girl. <laughs> we you are know the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I have insomnia too. <laughs> so oh, I don't no. know whether it's from the books or just I'm filling the time with the books. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but... <laughs> Yes, I mean, no. I, but I, and I'm definitely the kind where it's like, if I, once I get going, like, and I'll, I'll take a moment to pause to like reflect on what I've read. And then I'm like, Oh wait, I haven't eaten today and I haven't <laughs> used the restroom. And like, these are things that I need to do. Cause it's been like six hours. I should drink water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually you did. You said that when I was down last. Yes. You're like I'm not at work. I'm not drinking water. I need to go drink water. I'm bad water. at that. <laughs> yeah, unless I've got my routine, I really struggle with drinking water. Oh, man. All right. Well, colossal tangent. I'm sure Mongo will come back up again, if not in this podcast, then some other day. But um, so so the snow child. Um, let's talk first about a synopsis. Can you give me just a little bit of a rundown of the plot so that, you know, we kind of have a basis for where we're going with this conversation? Okay, so a husband and wife moved to Alaska during the kind of rush um, where land was really cheap and they, you know, they had just suffered a miscarriage and they kind of wanted a fresh start to get away from that. They weren't necessarily communicating with each other anymore, um, you know, because of that, that hardship, which, you know, is understandable. So they go out to kind of get a fresh start, get away from everything, start over completely new. Um, and you know, the, the woman, I can't remember the husband's name, but I remember the, the woman's name is Mabel. She, you know, had kind of wanted a child so bad that was kind of her driving force in a lot of this story. And she and her husband are kind of having a hard time together in the house with not much to do. They go out for like a, a night of, of fun and carefree and they build like a, a little snowman. It hadn't snowed a whole bunch. So they kind of build like a child snowman. And when they wake up, it had melted, but in the distance, they see like a little girl. And we spend the beginning of the story wondering like, was this an actual person or was it the imagination? Like, did, are they a little stir crazy being stuck in their cabin in an Alaskan winter or is there actually, you know, someone out there and she comes to their house, like they are able to build that relationship, but then like the winter's over and she disappears and they get close with their neighbors and, and, you know, Mabel, uh, Mabel's trying to tell the neighbors about the girl, um, and that she's real, but like kind of no one's believing them. And then Mabel kind of starts to doubt herself. Like, did this, is this something that actually happened or was it just my imagination? I need to actually get back to my own life. And her husband and her start to develop a better relationship. And, and I can't remember exactly why, but they're, they're kind of closer now. And then it comes to find out like it's the next year, the next winter and the little girl comes back and they, you know, take care of her. They, they have made clothes for her during that period and they take her in as her own and the years go by and she comes back every winter and she leaves every summer. Um, and eventually the, you know, they, they're very close with their neighbors and one of their boys, they have like five boys. One of their boys comes to 
help them out because the husband maybe falls or gets injured and, and need, they need some help. And her, the little girl and him end up like falling in love and the little girl, well, and she's not little anymore. Of course, it's like eight years. Yeah. And she gets pregnant. The, the girl gets pregnant and with that, with that, with the neighbor's son and, you know, everyone's kind of excited about that. They get married. Um, but the little girl who, you know, has kind of been on her own and been living in the wilderness for, you know, most of her life is now stuck with being a wife and a mother and not being able to kind of live her life the way that she wants. And she gets super sick, really high fever. Um, they, so they bring her out to the snow and when they wake up, she's gone. And then it's like years later and there's the, there's the sun, but we still haven't seen the, the, the little girl. My goodness. And that's where we end. Yeah. So this, this book is, um, it's, it's very magical because we Mm -hmm. don't know for the first half of the book, at least whether, um, the snow child is a real, a real child or, a a figment, a figment of the, um, cabin fever of being in Mm -hmm. Alaska. And you're left as, as, as the reader, very kind of confused as to like, you know, I just read these chapters of them with this little girl and now I'm starting to doubt that this was real. Yeah. Like, did I, am I sure that's what I read? I'm, you know, I don't know. And, and they're going about their lives you know, normally, and, and you start to get that, that, you know, fantasy part of, oh, like, you know, maybe that was just cabin fever. For me, I, um, especially after the opener and, you know, we can talk a little bit about the opener, perhaps, um, Mabel in the first few pages of the book, she's had this miscarriage. She finds herself in Alaska. It's not what she wanted at all. Mm -hmm. She's totally overwhelmed and she walks herself out far away from the cabin and i don't remember she stands on the ice and just doesn't quite go as far as she needed to to accomplish the deed or what but um she essentially nearly drops herself right into the river um mm-hmm. to kill herself um so you've got this dark dark opening couple of pages um and for me that set the stage for a little bit of creep that i wasn't expecting not only was I not <laughs> expecting from this book, I wasn't expecting it from you. <laughs> I like, and like I said, I hadn't book? read it in a while, but I remember like, you know, you remember the feeling of the book. And I just remember that, that feeling at the end of, of it being really good, like that magical, like good. And you're still left wondering at the end. Wondering about what, what did you wonder about when you closed the book? You know, like for me, it was kind of like the the fantasy mystery aspect of it because it was so close with reality that that I'm you know even though there is a child there, you're still le- I was still left wondering like, did this all really just happen? Yeah, and I think some of that magic comes from the fact that it's a Slavonic fairy tale. Um, mm-hmm. So it's based on something that is that is captured. Uh, a whole people group for, you know, however many centuries this story has been told. Um, and they do reference that um, the original um, 
I can't think of the word, but like the original idea of the story. Yeah. It was, um, Mabel asks her like sister, like something like this has happened in a story and they kind of tell you like what's about, what you're about to read through that because she does eventually get the book mailed to her and it included that fairy tale, which is very similar to the story that we read. Yes. <laughs> which is what has Mabel doubting her sanity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just like really hoping there's something really cool about this book and that it just really hopes that its characters really hope that they can take everything totally seriously and that maybe there is a little bit more magic in the world. Yeah. So what did you think about, I don't know, I feel like I want to talk more about death in relation to this book, particularly dealing with loss. Do you think this book, like, does it in an interesting way or has anything to say to people about that that topic? I think, I mean, I definitely think it does. I mean, if you look at your reaction to it, you, you know, went and messaged me like, you know, five minutes in, like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I can, I can read this. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I, it probably me is, is a, is a counselor and I've I've always been like kind of a, a very sensitive person. Um, so I am drawn to these topics and I can look at it from like an outside point of view, which I forget that, you know, some people can't and some people do, you know, kind of put their own, own life and own experiences into the things that they're reading. Do you not feel like you do I think, that? I mean, I might, but like when I'm reading a book, it's, it's the story and it's like a different world. It's like a movie. Okay. Like I'm watching a movie. So you're able to maintain, a, I won't call it a critical distance, but a counselor distance. Yeah, I think so. And recently you did some work with um, suicide prevention. Is that, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a constant thing. I mean, you know, it, you, and now that I've been, I'm in middle school, I was in elementary for a bit. Um, but now that I'm in middle school, it is a little bit more real when we've got, you know, outcries. And so it is something, you know, at least not maybe not weekly, but definitely on a monthly basis that I am faced with. So do you now in that stage, do you find that you're turning to books for more of an escape than maybe you used to? Like, would you pick up a book that has themes like this in it these days or a harsher book? Um, than this one even, or do you think that's why you go to manga? You know, that's really, like, it's really a good point that I haven't thought about before. Cause even like Will will, uh, and that's, he's my boyfriend. He will recommend like, Hey, we should watch this show together. We should watch that. And, and a lot of the times I turn it down cause there'll be very serious shows. And I'm like, no, like I need something lighthearted. And if it's something serious, I need a comic relief in there. Like I can't just do a really heavy show need something more entertaining. <laughs> yes. To let the conversation or let your brain kind of calm down a little bit. Mhm. Cuz you know, it is it is something I'm dealing with quite frequently and and I don't want to sometimes I don't want to deal with that when I'm relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I started reading this book um I believe it was right when I picked Oh man, it's all running together now. Right when I picked back up with uh, therapy for PTSD intensely, 
um, mm. which is for me, uh, a difficult and draining exercise, uh, or has been in the past. And, um, I was definitely in that headspace where I was like, I cannot handle <laughs> Oh, Which is yeah. why I texted you, right? I cannot handle these like darker <laughs> shows or darker movies or darker, darker books. But I was also on the cusp of a moment where I kind of wanted to push back against that mm-hmm. feeling in my life and um, and try to do something about figuring out how to have that distance that you're talking about, where I can sit back and maybe have an emotional experience if I want to with the book. Um, but mm-hmm. also not if I don't want to, if I just want to read it for the sake of, of the story, um, without engaging quite so deeply, I ought to be able to do that. But that's not always an easy thing to do sometimes, and especially when it's good literature, you're just kind of no. caught up in the flow of things. Like you don't always get to choose whether or not you're going to have a reaction to something. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, I am, I mean, regardless of me stepping back and being able to just read it as like, you know, a story, I still cry all the time, like commercials, I'm in tears all the time, like I feel everything. So it's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, avoiding something due to the content, like I just, I feel it all the time. You don't mind the feelings where I totally do. Yeah, we talked about this before. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) and a lot of people do a lot of I mean a lot of people don't want to you know they don't want to have to deal with that you know if I don't have to feel sad I'm not going to feel sad and that's not to say that this book doesn't sort of let up at certain points either like there is a lot to be said about the emotional landscape of this book um Mm -hmm. kind of because they do have a moment of of fun and they go ice skating and then they're working with their neighbors and they're working as a team and their neighbors really kind of you know just take this couple into their own and work together and there's drawing and painting and there's Mm -hmm. observing the wildness of you know just life as it is in the 1920s in the backwoods of alaska and enjoying what there is around you when there's not much right and so much mm-hmm. at the same time um i'm a sucker for for books that put people out in the middle of nowhere and make them function for sure that was one thing that i thought really really went um went well in this book um at least in terms of whether or not i was gonna like it like i loved hatchet mm-hmm. when i was growing up by gary paulson i read it over and over again yeah my side of the mountain, all of those things. There's something really cool to me about just putting characters out in the middle of nowhere and making them function. <laughs> Cause we couldn't do that. Right. Well, I couldn't. We need like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking of all of the modern conveniences. <laughs> we need, <laughs> we need our uh, kitchen aids so we can bake really tasty treats. <laughs> We yep. need our. I can't bake over an open fire. That's right. Some it's, people might, but I can't. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would. I I would prefer to have a Duraflame fire. Thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a like more ancient part of me that wishes I could like try it out. Just try living off the land for a second, you know. Well, and even Mabel and her husband in the book, like they just were able to get up and go. And that's not something that I I can do. Even just the thought of leaving Texas where all my family is, is like crazy to me. 
And they really do. They leave it all behind. They were in the mm-hmm. Northeast Coast. They had family. They had friends and a social life. And and off they go. It's very frontier. Very much a frontier mm-hmm. story. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how anybody does that to leave that much behind without being able to connect back. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I mean, we're not the kind that could do that. That's why it's just so foreign of an idea to us. Well, and we don't have to. That's the interesting thing. It's like, even if I picked up and moved to um, Australia tomorrow, uh, and at the time in my life when I almost when we almost did, right, like at some point in my life, my family almost did move to Australia. So that happening 20 years ago is a very different thing than would be today. We'd be totally connected in. There's, mm-hmm. you know, we're sitting here talking on Skype for this interview. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> Dallas. You're in Houston. We're just, you know, doing our thing. But that wouldn't, that wasn't the case in this book. They're totally isolated in a way that I don't know that we can understand as like people living in 2020. <laughs> I don't know that that concept of isolation to that extent really makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. Well, and even when like Mabel was trying to write to her sister about the, you know, the the story that was, you know, similar to what she was going through, she, she had to wait and she had to wait, you know, she's got to send her letters and then they've got to come back and, and we don't have to wait like that anymore. No. The only thing that would change if you were in Australia is the time zone. We just have to plan it out a little bit more. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) might talk a little bit less because I'd be sleeping most of the time that you were awake, but that would be it. Yep. Man. I don't know the thought about isolation. I forget what it was. I will say for the isolation part that you're saying, it's not something I could do. Like I am an introvert a little bit, but I'm an extroverted introvert and I I need to be with people. Even, I mean, even my job is very people oriented. Yeah. You work in a giant school. Mm-hmm. The one counselor for 1,300 kids. So I am constantly on the move. I'm constantly talking to people of all areas of life. Actually, I was thinking about that today. Um, you were recording this after your work day, and I was like, I don't know that I would want to come home and record a podcast if I'd been out of school all day. I'm really surprised <laughs> you didn't wait till the weekend. And here's my answer. <laughs> I'm the remote worker well, writer who holds up in my let house. Let me also say, let me also say, you said Monday, Tuesday, which day works for you. That's true. <laughs> so it was not yesterday because we did we did a little um, late Christmas with uh, Tanisa and Sarah. Okay, but well, there so we go. So it is today. Well, thank you, Julia. <laughs> Those days do work best for me this week. My weekend is packed. So this is for you, girl. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Oh man, but I couldn't I couldn't do it if I had been if I had been sitting there all day with with all those people. But I'm mm-hmm. the, but I'm the type that probably could do the Alaskan wilderness thing for a little while at least. I literally will not leave my house sometimes for like 3 or 4 days in a row. Um I'll look up and won't have talked to anyone like with my actual voice sometimes until 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening when oh, I remember, wow. oh, I probably should speak out loud today. Um but that doesn't phase me at all. It's just, it's just part of it. <laughs> Some days if I record a podcast, I'm like, okay, I've talked 20,000% more just because I'm doing this recording <laughs> than I would have otherwise. Anyway. Um, 
I remember what I was going to ask you earlier. Um, I was pretty harsh on this book for length in my review, and I wanted to ask you to talk back about that. I feel like the book's too long, like that it needed to be excised in some way, um, or parts of it did. Um, and I wonder if you agree or disagree with that or have any thoughts. No, it's, I mean, like I said, it's been several years since I've read it. And so I don't necessarily remember all of that. Um, looking at the review, at the summaries online to kind of refresh my brain, I think I could agree with you because uh, we're left, I think, feel like for a majority of the book, you know, wondering, is she real? Is she not? I don't know. And they could condense that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. Because the 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 beginning hooked us and then the end hooked us. Because um, then there's you know when the when the child is there, I think is when we're when we're most interested in the story. Yeah. Although I don't know if I agree with you. I kind of wonder. And I you know we gave a synopsis earlier, but I'm still going to say it now. Spoilers for just half a second. So I wonder if chopping the ending off of this book. Um. Mm. might have helped it sort of stay what it was. Yeah. The coda was unnecessary, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But even if you back it up before that, to to let this book just literally be about the snow child instead mm-hmm. of getting an answer about The couple's about her, marriage. Well, instead of getting an answer about her. But yeah, the couple's marriage, too. I wonder if it wouldn't have made a more compelling book. Maybe. I don't know. I will say one of the biggest questions I have is like, and it's part of what leaves you wondering, which in my book group, there was, you know, there was different consensus on this is the lack of quotation marks every time the snow child spoke. Yeah. She's in italics. Mm hmm. And so I remember in the book group, because for me, that was like, oh, my God, what does that mean? I don't understand. I haven't ever been exposed to writing like that before, mm-hmm. where they just didn't use quotation marks. And, um, you know, a couple of the people in my book group thought it was just lazy writing. Yeah, I talk. I think I talked about this in my review a little. I can't remember if I did or not, but I definitely had thoughts about it. It totally is just a way of sort of creating an unreliable character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of agreed that I don't know that it was that effective, especially because you do kind of get an answer for who the child, who the snow child is as you go along. But it's like, once you get that answer, what do you do with the like magic mm-hmm. realism that's kind of enforced by the italics? It doesn't, it stops working in the same way. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of fun. Like, like you were saying, like, you've never been exposed to it before. It's like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. I was like, what does that mean? What does that tell me? Like, does that mean that she's not real? And this is an imagination? I don't understand. I mean, that's actually a good note. That says to me that um, for people who are not crusty critics, <laughs> <laughs> they're maybe getting something from this book, but I didn't get because I'm over uh, fun, fancy little like formal things for the sake of putting in fun, fancy little formal things. Um, which is something I've talked about before on here. Like it really, to me, if you're going to mess with a novel's 
format, it really needs to have a purpose, especially today, um, because so many people mess with the form of a novel in different ways. And, and when I say form, I, I mean all the way down to like the line form of it, right? Like I'm not just talking like mm-hmm. overall what goes where and things like that. I'm talking like extremely loud and incredibly close has all of those, you know, red marks and color and pictures and all these different things. And this novel, the way that they mess with the form is uh, with italics. It really has to really make sense because so many people do it. It's, it can become, it, it, to me, I, I start rolling my eyes. I'm like, okay, do something <laughs> new. But if you're not me, if you're not uh, somebody who reads. If you're me. Yes. <laughs> then it, there's still some joy there. <laughs> and that's good to know. It's true. And that's probably why I, you know, it's something that stuck with me is because that was such a captivating piece of it for me, I had never seen it. And it just added to the mystery of it as I'm reading and, and I want to keep going. I have to keep reading because I need to know. That's a successful book right there. Exactly. What, what, what am I even saying? What's the point of me talking? (laughs) (laughs) Go read this book. We're discussing. We've got two different points of view. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And I guess, I guess, that's why there are lots of different kinds of books for different kinds of people. So what's really startling to me uh, is that this is a debut novel, too. Yeah. It's pretty wild for it to have the success that it had. It did. And for me, as just like a casual reader, maybe, um, I wouldn't have noticed. Ex- and then I know people talk about it online, like, oh, my gosh, this was the f- debut. For me, that doesn't mean anything. Like, I don't, I don't see that go like, oh, wow, yeah, that is a surprise. So I'm curious for you, you know, why that was a surprise for it being her debut novel. Oh, you're going to turn around and ask the question. <laughs> I am. Hello. Welcome to Julia's podcast. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, just basically, anytime anyone does anything for the first time, um, you don't expect them to get it right. Do you expect your kids, you know, to get sixth grade right in the first few weeks? There's no way, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or seventh grade or whatever. Uh, your first year as a teacher, did you do, you probably did a lot of things right, but you probably messed up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we don't talk about the first year. That's right. Nobody, teaching. nobody, that's what I was told when I was student teaching. Nobody ever has a first year. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't admit it to your students. You, you're teaching here. And that's exactly. it. Exactly. You've been teaching. Um, so with books though, like it's pretty, pretty easy to Google an author and be like, Hey, I don't see anything else by this person. Um, so you don't get, you don't get to cover up your, your first Uh book anyway, but it's, that's really it. There's just, you just expect a first novel to be not as good as the rest of them. Um, and you certainly don't really expect a first novel to have any kind of great success. And proofs in the pudding, you look out at all of the authors in the world, um, mm-hmm. and most of them don't get read, much less talked about. So the ones that we see are sort of confirmation bias. You know, I can think of a couple other ones. Um, the Sympathizer came out a few years ago by a guy uh, at USC faculty, I think, in the English department. I can't remember his name, um, but I was working at Barnes & Noble, and 
it immediately won this huge award, like right off the bat. And people loved it. People bought it. It flew off the shelves. But he'd never written a novel before. This is his first time. Yeah. And there he is awarded. And this novel was like that. It was up for a Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I said something in my review about how I don't understand why. <laughs> and I really don't. <laughs> I really don't get it. I don't think it's that good. Um, but, you know, somebody did. People think it's that good. And that's that's pretty yeah. cool for a first book. I mean, if you think about what we just talked about with the just the simple quotation marks and how me as you know, a casual reader was intrigued by that. Yeah. I don't know who picks the nominees, but, you know, if it's someone like me, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I don't know anything about the Pulitzer process of picking stuff. I would imagine that something to do with like how well it's performed you know, goes into it, mm-hmm. but, um, but also literary merit and, you know, captivating story. And then also things like that can, you know, get you into trouble. Like the Nobel committee got into trouble recently for <laughs> all kinds of things. Um, biases exist at all levels of, of life. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to kind of like begin wrapping up a conversation about this book. And I, we can just end it like the book and leave it a mystery. <laughs> well, I was going to go back to that. I think like the thing that captivated me most about this was the idea of magic realism. Mm-hmm. It was so grounded in this like harshness of the Alaskan, Alaskan landscape while also being just its own little fairy tale in the middle of things. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any thoughts that we missed that we didn't get to talk about? I feel like we covered everything and more. And more. And more. Well, it's a good book. <laughs> and you've got more recommendations for me now. Three of them. What did I say? Is it, What did I say? <laughs> oh, Harry Potter, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you. I was like, oh, Julia, we're going we're gonna to talk about three books. Okay, and as we were talking, my brain's also thinking, and of course, all the Harry Potters, they're fabulous. I reread them, like, every year, all seven of them, because I'm crazy, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I also really liked, and I can't I, I can't remember her last name, um, but the author who did Gone Girl, Jillian? Jillian Flynn. Her second book Ooh. was one of my absolute favorites. I can't remember the title of it, and I can't check it out because I'm on my phone right now with you well, I'm gonna but keep talking about that it. one was amazing I read all of all of her books um the first one you I, I you know it was a little rough which goes into you know the first how you know the snow child did so well for the first book um hers was a little rough but the second one was so good okay so it's a sequel to Gone Girl no it's it's she has their its own story. Okay. Jillian it's not Flynn related books. to Gone Girl at all. It's her second one. Perdita. No, that's know. not it. Is, is it the second one? Dark places. I'm not getting them in order. I think dark was the first one. Maybe it's not. Maybe sharp objects was first. Yeah, dark places the second. <gasps> dark places. Yeah, it's 2009. Good. Cool. It's good. I really liked it. Interesting. And then Gone Girl came out in 2012. And then favorite manga is Hiona of the Dawn, and it is still being written right now. 
but it is so well written. So talk about a strong female character. Talk to me a little bit more about this manga recommendation, like in terms of how do you read it and why I pick it up? Just say something. So you read it opposite of American comics. So you're reading the panels um, from right to left and they're thicker than American comic books. So one manga would typically take me about 30 minutes. I'm sure it takes Sarah not as long because she is not dyslexic and we've talked about our reading, um, how quick we are to read. And I'm a little bit longer, but they're good little chunks. And so Yona is like, I don't, I don't know how much to say without spoiling it, but she is like a prim and proper princess. Sarah's looking at me right now. She came out for Yona. She's like, what? Yona? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she's a princess and then like her world has changed and she has to step up. And so there is just huge character growth. And so it's not a female character of like, oh no, I need all the men to take care of me. She's going to take care of herself. Yeah. And there's guys there too, but like, it's great that you're here, but also I can take care of myself. They know who's boss too. (laughs) So it's it's great. So it's totally a girl power story and you can read it uh, by picking up a copy at a library or a bookstore, but you can also find it online. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah, you can. Yes. I use Comixology. It's a branch of Amazon Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of mangas and comics um, on their site. Cool. And I like it because I can access, access my mangas from wherever I am. And I am very technology centered, um, more than like paper copies of books. And and that probably goes back to my dyslexia. It's easier for me on my phone to adjust brightness to a bright, to adjust font size, um, the colors of pages and all of that on my phone. I want to ask you more about this dyslexia thing. I'm here girl. I mean, I just want to hear more. I don't know. Tell me more about being dyslexic and loving reading. Like how did that happen? Really? So I've always been a reader, um, and I also have been super, super shy. Um, like I didn't start really chatting to people until um, I took theater arts in middle school because I was like, I can't live my life this way. I don't talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, and so I never, I could, I, I didn't advocate for myself, um, and I could listen to the teacher and remember. Um, and if there was a picture on a page, I could remember what was on that page. So I didn't even really have to study ever. And I cheated on all of my spelling tests. So nothing ever flagged me growing wow. up. Yes. I learned how to cheat because I can't spell at all. It just got, it gets all jumbled in my head. Uh, so I asked my mom one day, like in high school, I was in high school girl. I asked my mom, Hey, um, I don't think the words on the page are supposed to be moving. Oh my goodness. And like, I don't think that when I write and I forget words or I mix words up and letters are ending up everywhere and same with my writing that that's normal. And so she went to the school and she had me tested and turns out, yep, 
I needed accommodations. So I probably was a gifted student, just, you know, turned into ABs. Wow. Because I could manage without having to read a book or study. So when did you like, when did you really start reading then? If you spent all that time sort of fighting to just get by. Well, and I could read, I did just do, I could do a line. So, and I would read and I would read like a page five times to, to figure out what was happening. And you kind of get the gist of a page and then you go to the next page and get a gist of a page rather than maybe necessarily remember everything on a page. Yeah. That way you can keep the story going. And it's just still fun somehow. It's still fun. Yeah. It's still like a movie. It's a movie in my head. Um, and so then I, you, you learn how to read or you, you have to learn how to read. Yeah. So I would get like just a sheet of paper and kind of, or two sheets of paper and go line by line to be able to get the material a little bit more, especially with like, as you grow up and there's more words on a page. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'd go word by word, even if the, um, like in some of the bigger books where all the words are really jumbled, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you learn how to, how to manage. I just often hear people who are dyslexic, dyslexic, especially more severely. So just talk about how it's no fun for them. So yeah, to find that, you know, not only do you read, but you swallow manga at the pace that you do. Well, and manga is the less words on a page. And so, and the, there's the pictures. So you get a better idea of what's happening, you know, by just being able to read a manga. And, you know, I also, in middle school, when I was in middle school, there we didn't have as much access to anime. And so all of the anime that I would watch was on YouTube with subtitles. Wow. And so you, you learn, I mean, you cope and a lot of people aren't put in that position and it's just cause that's what I was interested in. You just figure it out how to manage. Tanise is the same way. Tanise is probably dyslexic as well, but she never got tested. Um, and I mean, reading is fun cause it's a picture and we didn't really get to watch TV a whole bunch and we didn't get to play video games and I'm not an outside person. I hate outdoors. You know, more power to you if you like to go outdoors. I don't. So what did you have left? Read a book. Read a book or watch a movie when you're allowed to. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I would do, but, you know, what are you going to do the rest of the time? Right. Wow. And so you you manage. You learn. Man, I feel like... I know, know, like, with some people, the biggest struggle nowadays is that um, people don't have to learn how to cope. So I will say that growing up, like there's not any, there was not any resources and you just had to figure it out. You're talking because technology has made it Mm -hmm. easier for people to kind of just get along. Mm -hmm. Do uh, schools still accommodate? Yes, they do. But nowadays they also offer dyslexia courses like or dyslexia pullout services. Hmm. I don't know what that is. And it's is. like, it's, yeah, most people would. It's it's like, I like say it. And I'm like, yeah, everyone knows. But it's like, no, that's educational world. Um, so it's like a, and not it's not a special ed class, but it's sort of like special ed time um, where they pull out of the classroom to do direct instruction that's not a core 
instruction. So they're going to teach things um, like, like, I don't like, I can't think of the words of things, um, but like how, you know, certain vowels together makes a sound or, you know, these are common pairings of sounds. That way, when you see a word you don't know, you can still read it. That's fascinating. And I know I've seen the dyslexia classes and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I need to sit in with them because I don't know any of this information. Wow. And I, I know I've been in like dyslexia presentations where they're they're teaching about it. And I'm just like, I don't know what, I don't understand anything you're saying. <laughs> Like everyone else is getting all this. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're saying. Well, that's, I guess, in part because you didn't get flagged in the system when you were young. But also, Mm -hmm. I'm sure the research has changed over the last, you know, 15, 20 years since you would have needed it or whatever it's been. That's, That's fascinating. I can't imagine. It's a... It's a different world. Mm-hmm. It just takes me longer to read. The passion's there, but but it does take me longer. But I get there. Yeah, you do. <laughs> get there all the way through this 500-page novel and, like I said, manga left and right. And, you know, many other books. You've done lots of reading in your life. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your Tuesday. Mm-hmm.